1: Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. As you well know, Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Uh, what you might not know is that they have so much more when it comes to um, spoken audio entertainment and information. So, we're offering you a free trial. If you go to audibletrial.com/businessgrowth, you can check out everything they have to offer for yourself and find out what uh, resonates with you. I think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised. Over the years, the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast has uh, gained recognition as a great resource for small business owners, business leaders, sales professionals. Uh, We have been fortunate uh, to be included on lists of the best podcasts to listen to for a variety of reasons. Uh, But when it comes down to it, it's because of the guests. These are folks who uh, have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me in a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. That way you can get the information you need so you can do better things in your business. Today is no exception. My guest today is Glyne Roberts-McCabe. Glyne named one of Canada's top women entrepreneurs at the 2018 RBC Canadian Women Entrepreneur Awards, is the founder and president of The Roundtable, an award-winning company where leaders cultivate their leadership together. A self-professed leadership junkie, Glein has written for publications including The Globe and Mail, HR Edge, and Canadian Manager, and is a popular speaker to audiences across Canada, the US, and Europe. She's the author of The Grassroots Leadership Revolution, uh, which published in May of 2020. Thanks so much for joining me today, Glein.
2: I'm so happy to be here, Diane. Thank you for having me.
1: I am thrilled to have you here. We're gonna be talking about um, peer leadership communities, uh, which is just such an incredible concept. And so I I wanna jump right in. I'm curious why you think, creating a community of support is just so important for leaders today.
2: Yeah. And I mean, really for me, Diane, this started when I, um, I had a job uh, in my early thirties where I was managing partner for a consulting firm here in Toronto and the owner of the firm was a member of a peer community that, Um, maybe even some of your listeners are familiar with, it's a group called the Young Presidents Organization or YPO. And um, at the time, I had never kind of heard of these kinds of groups, you know, before and got really curious about peer groups in general, and was working with leaders who were categorized by their organizations as high potential. You know, that I always think it's, you know, your your A players, those are the people that, you know, when you go to sleep at night, you think, oh, please don't quit, please don't quit. You
0: know? um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we all have those, and it's usually, my, my own experience has been, it's about 20% of, you know, your group usually, right, top 20%. And so I, I, in my practice, you know, as a managing partner, we all in the firm all had to have like a little, uh, you know, practice, delivery practice, and my specialty was coaching, derailing high potential. So I would work with these people who, you know, had been superstars. And then suddenly, you know, the company was going, gee, can you help them get back on track? Uh And what I noticed about a lot of them was that they were just in over their heads. I mean, the thing with your best people is what do we do to them? We kind of We see them out there treading water and then we go, here's an anchor, you can handle it. (laughs) Right. And so um, I started getting curious about that and, and the power of, you know, kind of connecting these people with other leaders that were having similar experiences Because I think one of the things that we're told in leadership, and that's whether you're, um, you know, an entrepreneur running your own business or you're working within an organization is you're told leadership is lonely and the further you go up the ladder, the lonelier it gets. And I think for me, I'm always one of those people, the more you tell me something, the more my contrarian brain kicks in. And I think, well, why does it have to be? And that was kind of the, the experience I had at that time in my career, I ended up getting into my own peer group and um, working with some other people and just found it so useful and powerful and was just another resource for me to be able to tap into as a leader. So that's where that's kind of the roots of the passion and and the story behind um, why I really got my arms deep into this peer coaching space.
1: It really is. I mean, you know, it really is lonely at the top. Mm. You know, you can't talk to the people. I mean, you can't, well, I mean, you can, but it's easier to talk to your peers, honestly, about struggles, fears, whatever it is.
2: Yeah, because I think, and I think, you know, I think entrepreneurs can really relate to this. You know, I have a spouse who's actually a psychotherapist, if you can believe it. And... (laughs) And so, you know, you would think that, you know, he's trained to be a great listener and, you know, to be able to counsel people. But I can honestly tell you when I struggle with my business and I'm having issues or even prior to me launching my business when I was, you know, working for other entrepreneurs, I would come home and it's hard to coach your spouse. It's hard to counsel your, you know, yeah. your, your better half. You you really do you know, there's too much personal things wrapped up in those conversations. So, you know, as much as I have a great supportive uh, partner, he wasn't a great resource for me. And then you're right. I mean, it's it's not like you want to be talking to your employees about certain things, no matter how transparent you are. And I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, as leaders being very transparent. Yeah. There's still a line, you know, and and I think yeah. sometimes as leaders, what we struggle with the most is our own imposter syndrome, our own insecurity, um, the the self-talk that we create for ourselves, and those are the kinds of things that it's it's harder to process with um, people that are looking to you to, to lead them. So, you know, when you can get in with a group of other people and you realize, I think one of the things I always love about the peer groups I'm in, you sort of think, oh gosh, I'm, I'm not the only one who's facing this. I'm not alone. Right. <laughs> I don't know if it's misery loves company, but there is something about that that's very powerful.
1: Boy, that is for sure. Right. You're not alone really anymore. Yeah. Right. And and you're not necessarily um, a bad leader or a bad business owner or you know whatever you know it's not like this unique thing to you no realize boy this is just some of it's just a thing
2: it's just being human I think you know it's the human condition and we we sort of have this need sometimes to pathologize it, you know, and and make everything so negative. Um, But the reality is everybody has struggles. And and often the people that you think really have it all together are the ones that are struggling the most has been my experience. So um, I think the more, you know, the more you can be open and be vulnerable and be willing to let other people in, the more you gain strength um, from that. And that's really, for me, in my own experience being in peer groups, and then also you know, creating many, many peer groups. Um, That's what I've observed.
1: That's really interesting. So are there barriers um, that people face when they're trying to create a peer group?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, because I often, you know, there's a lot of formal groups that are out there. There's lots of great organizations um, that, you know, you can tap into, like Vistage or, you know, Entrepreneurs Organization. So there's there's lots out there. I know for me, when I was starting my business, there weren't a lot for new entrepreneurs. It was hard to yeah. find. And so, you know, I think for, um, and, and sometimes you can't quite find the group that feels like the right fit for you, you know, as a woman entrepreneur, for example, I found many of the, um, you know, entrepreneur peer groups that I tried to get involved in were very male dominated. And then, you know, there was lots of groups that were for female entrepreneurs, but I actually really like a mix, like I like to be, you know, men and women together. And so it was hard to find ones that really were kind of meeting that need for me. So what I find, you know, if you want to do your own thing, there's three things that you you really have to sort of keep in mind. One is, what is the purpose of your group? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Because I find if you try and, you know, meet the needs of everybody, it's going to be a watered down experience. So for example, when I was starting my business, one of my big needs was to grow my business. So I had a very big focus on wanting to create a peer group that would be around referring business to each other. So I wanted to recruit people who had an alignment to that purpose. So that's the first place I'd start if you're thinking about creating a peer group is, what's the purpose? Like what's the main driving purpose? You could have some you know, secondary ones, but what's your main purpose? And then really get clear on what are going to be your expectations for people who are going to join your group. Do they have to go to every meeting? Um, what is the frequency of the meetings that you want to have? Confidentiality. So just some pieces that you're really clear in your own head first. And then um, the kind of the last ingredient is just you yourself. You know, in, in starting peer groups, I find one of the challenges is that people think that, well, we're a group of peers, this is going to run itself. Um, It doesn't really work that way. You need somebody to be the leader, even if it's at a peer level, and get the group going until the group gets momentum. And so, you know, if you're going to put a group together, recognize your own investment of time in terms of, you know, communicating with people, making sure people are attending this, you know, whatever sessions you've got set up. Um, But those are the three, like, those are the three things that I really think you need to think through. And, you know, within that recruiting the right kind of people, like once you've decided on what you want to do, really who you want to bring into that group is, um, is really important.
1: Okay, I'm so glad that you just said that because that's, like, what's been sticking with me, so Mm. I I have, like, multiple questions about this. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky you. So, um, one of, uh, so, I, I don't want to assume, but I guess my first question would be, is it important to determine certain characteristics of who you want in your group, and, then how do you go and find people and then what do you do if you get someone in there and it turns out they are not a good fit? How's <laughs> yeah. that?
2: for just throwing yeah, yeah. everything. I mean, always, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you vote somebody off the island? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> come in. I know. So, I mean, so let's start with um, what to look for. So to me, there's, I think of it like on two axes, right? So you want people who are going to be committed to the group, like they actually want to be part of a group. There's lots of people that actually don't really like being part of a group, you know, they're there. It's really not their thing. They're more loners, right? Um, So you want that group commitment. And then you want people who are personally committed to the purpose. So they've got a vested interest. They, you know, in the case of the example I used in terms of my um, you know, the the uh, business um group that I pulled together when I started my uh, you know, own business, everybody in there had a very big vested interest in business development. So everybody was around that. And I remember we invited somebody, one of the members of the group invited a colleague to come And that individual didn't have the same vested interest and then so therefore kept wanting to talk about other things or was missing meetings all the time and not really fully committed. So I think you need to really make sure that you're not trying to attract somebody into your party who really doesn't want to be there because that energy will just derail your group. So thinking about where they fall, you know, in terms of do they like being part of groups and are they really interested in my purpose is number one. And then, then I think about diversity. So I think about, you know, diversity in all forms, you know, diversity of thinking, diversity of background, diversity of styles and approaches. Because you want to make sure I mean, one of the benefits of a peer group is that, you know, when you're putting out a real issue that you want some advice on, you're not putting it out to a whole bunch of people who think the same way you think, you know, in our our program, we run peer groups for leaders to get better at their leadership, you know, there is no one right approach to leadership, if there was, you know, we wouldn't need a leadership development industry. but what you gain is, you know, as a leader, you gain the most when you hear how other people would approach that situation that you're talking about. So I think it's, you know, it's the same for anybody putting together a peer group, have diversity, don't just go for people that you like that are your best friends, you want people who maybe, you know, might challenge you. Then, you know, I think there's um, so much of it, and I sort of talk about this in the book, you know, you want to really set ground rules with the group, and you want to have, um, you know, confidentiality agreements, and you really want to make sure that everybody's really clear on what the expectations are for being in the group, that's a really important foundation because then when you have that person um, who maybe is difficult, the group can address it together with the individual. And or what I've seen happen actually is when you hold really tight to those principles, people, you know, grownups will self select out, like, you know, many, I've seen it through many of the groups that we've run. And, and, uh, you know, I'm in a group right now, an informal group, and people have self selected out, they they realize it's not for them, they're not getting value from it. And so they move on. But it's all because that foundation and the expectations of what it meant to be in this group were really cl- clearly laid out up front. So I almost I almost think like how can you be preemptive and um, have people opt out early because <laughs> it's much harder. To, I'm in a, I'm in a group and I won't name it because it's it's a very informal group. But there's somebody in our group that the rest of us she does drive us crazy. But we're, we've been together for 15 years, so it's it's impossible to get that person out of the group. At that point, <laughs> you know? we we've passed the point of no return there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, because unfortunately when you
1: say that, then like, I'm thinking about uh, groups I've been in or uh, programs I've been in where the, there's that person and it's uh, mm-hmm. interesting.
2: And I do but think going, you know, back, going back to your role as the leader, I mean, sometimes those are the things that you have to have the tough conversations, you know, you have to pull that person aside yeah. and say... Hey. And I think some of the things that I see in groups that cause this dynamics are things like, you know, the person who talks too much. Right. Oh, I was just gonna ask you about that. Like it's usually the behavioral <laughs> things that drive everybody bananas. And so I always think in that, you know, we have an opportunity to help that person and and give that person, you know, the gift of feedback. And so as team as, you know, as group leader. If you're the person who started the group, it it is on you for sure to, you know, gently pull the person aside and let them know the impact of that behavior on the rest of the group and use structures, you know, like with people who talk a lot, up your timekeeping, you know, and be ruthless with it and and let people know. But I find what I notice when, um, you know, because moderating a peer group is its own interesting um, set of challenges. And I think for many people, when I talk to them about bad experiences in peer groups, it's often because the moderator was being too polite. You know, so if you're, if you're kind of facilitating your own peer group, you have to be okay with kind of leaning in and interrupting people and cutting them off in a nice way and moving things forward. And so we use techniques in our groups where we'll we'll let people know that that's gonna happen and we have a hand signal that we will give them that means you're about to get cut off so they can wrap it up themselves before we, we cut them <laughs> off. You know, yeah, I mean, there's, there's little things like that, that you can do that make it less awkward. Um, But if, uh, if you start on that, you know, with your groups, um, right away, then it, you know, it doesn't feel uncomfortable. It's, it's much harder to retrofit once a group's kind of created their patterns.
1: So that's, that's one of the reasons why it's important to really for yourself, lay down the ground rules, you know, think to yourself, what what do I want to have? What do I want to avoid?
2: Yeah. 100%. Uh. And I think you can compromise, you know, I, I I do these little posts every week. And it just happens that my my post this week, I have these little things I call leadership truths. My leadership truth for this week happened to be, you can't drink half a cup of poison. And um, (laughs) (laughs) and my point was that, you know, in my career, what I found is anytime I've had a really strong gut feel about something, and I have compromised on it, because, you know, people have told me, you know, you're you're thinking with your heart instead of your head, or, you know, I've been trying to appeal to or please peripheral stakeholders. I've always gotten myself into trouble. Like when, you know, that gut instinct, I mean, we do have this fifth brain in our stomach, right, that tells us things. And anytime I've done that, and I've watered down what I wanted to do, Um, it's been a problem. And so I think it's like when when you go into, if you're creating your own peer group and you have a strong vision for what you want your peer group to be, and if you're recruiting somebody and they start saying, well, yeah, that sounds good, but can we also talk about this or I'd like to do this or I'd like to do that. And you start chipping away at your own idea, you know, it's very hard for you then to um, probably, uh, you know, stay in the power of what you wanted to create in the first place and so and then you're sort of chasing your tail because you're trying to then please people who had a completely different vision of what they wanted to get out of that experience so it's mm. disappointing if somebody doesn't want to join your group I get that but maybe they're not the right fit for what right. you're to do
1: right mm-hmm. they should go start their own group and follow the direction
2: they want to go in Totally. And, you know, and you do have those people that, you know, they like to get involved in things because they have fear of missing out or as my 15 year old would say FOMO. And and so, you know, they'll, they'll be, they're often the the people that are really nice and really, you know, um, enthusiastic, but then don't follow up on things. Don't kind of keep their commitments last minute cancel. And I think the thing, the thing that I know for sure about peer groups is, that commitment of people really choosing to be there, wanting to be there, that's what allows a group to get momentum. And as soon as you have people kind of coming in and out as, as they want, it'll, it'll be the death knell to your group. So you really want people who um, are committed to the process and are interested in actually being part of the, the team.
1: I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then I have some more questions for you. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have thousands of titles to choose from, as well as podcasts, Audible Originals, Guided Meditations, and more. One of my favorite audiobooks is Everyone Deserves a Great Manager by Scott Miller. For me, I love being able to listen to it anywhere and Across my devices without losing my place, and I think you will too. So visit audibletrial.com/businessgrowth to explore the variety of audiobooks and programs for yourself. Are are there like best practices when it comes to um, how often you should meet and for how long, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it really varies. And this is when you're planning your group things to think through. So I'll tell you some of my biases. In peer groups where it's self-facilitated, I like no more than six people, because I think with six people, you get diversity of thinking, but you also get um, enough space for everybody to be able to talk and contribute. I also think, um, you know, frequency and length of time are considerations. So the bigger your group gets, the more time you're going to need to have. So when you look at some of the peer groups that are out there, they have groups of 15 to 20 um, and they take a full day and, you know, they'll do the full day once a month or once every two months. I personally, I, you know, that's a long time for me to be sitting with a a group of other entrepreneurs. I prefer shorter, faster, smaller group sizes. So it really depends on your preference. I find the bigger the groups, the more it becomes a little bit more, you know, we're going to have a guest speaker in, we're going to be talking a lot. There's less space for you to deal with your real issues. And I, I truly think that that's, to me, that's the power of peers. I can you know, learn in all kinds of different places. I think what's right. more interesting for me, like knowing what to do is very different than actually doing it. And when you can sit with a group, a smaller group of peers and say, Hey, I'm thinking of trying this or doing that has, have any of you ever done this before? And they can say, Oh yeah, I did this. Let me tell you the path that took me down. Or, you know, here's another perspective for you to think about or consider. That is hugely powerful and then being able to go back to that peer group in a month or six weeks and have to be accountable right to you know it's the the benefit of peer pressure is being able to you know I don't want to go into my peers and say that you know I didn't do anything um between you know now and when I talked to them six weeks earlier so I think you know if if you think about it like I think peer groups to me the analogy I'll often use with people is know, think about, you know, when you join a gym and you're trying to get in shape, you're going to have a rhythm of when you go to the gym based on what your goals are, right. And what you're, you're, um, what you're trying to achieve at the gym. I feel the same way about any coaching experience, whether you're talking about working with a one-to-one coach or working with a peer group, what are you trying to achieve? And in order to achieve that, what's the right rhythm for you to be able to get the momentum you need to reach those goals? in COVID, like when COVID hit, um, a group of us got together, well, two groups of us, actually, I started a group, I'm in two peer groups right now, um, that I started right after COVID. One was organized by a colleague of mine, and the other one I organized with a group of colleagues. And, you know, we were, we were meeting every single week. um, Because, and in fact, my industry group, we still meet every single week because our industry, the learning and development space, has been hit very very hard right now right. Um, and so we've been meeting every single week to sort of support each other um, we're all trying new bi- different business development strategies, seeing what works what doesn't work. My other peer group, same thing, we're all meeting every week, we've now decided to knock that back to every two weeks. Um, it's a diverse group, so people from all I'm you know, the only person in my sector in that group Um, But I think that that's the piece about, um, you know, groups is sometimes you want to get momentum and you want to do it really fast. And so you want short one hour sessions every week. Mm. Then what we're doing now with our um, group that's shifting to every two weeks, it's two hours every two weeks. Um, And so then, and then we'll see, I, I would imagine that that first group will go down to um, once a month at some point, and I think my second group will probably um, shift down to once a month as well in the fall. But I think right now we're all still really in firefighting mode, so yeah. the weekly feels right. And it's a it's a group of six, and people we're a little bit looser with that group, um, so people come in and out when they can make it. But we've all known each other for. Um, a year before we put the group together so um, I think that also all of those factors kind of make a difference in terms of your pacing and, and what you want to what you want to think about
1: boy that that is so interesting um, what what about um, the longevity of a group do they last forever <laughs> should they
2: <laughs> yeah she, I mean I think it's kind of um, I think for me personally, and I think this is a personal preference for everybody. For me, I'm very purpose-driven with my groups. I have a very clear objective as to why I'm going into a group. It's the same for me when I work with a coach or with a mentor. I have a very clear goal that I'm looking to achieve. And once I've achieved that goal, for me, I like to move on. I think depending on your personal motivation, it's something to really think about. I don't think I'm a hugely high belonging person, I, I love being part of groups, um, when I've got a purpose around it. But then beyond that, um, I don't really I'm, I'm not somebody who has like a gazillion friends and, and is that social? I'm probably borderline <laughs> introverts. So um, that's how I think about it. I've got friends who've been in peer groups for 20 years and those people are their best friends and they family vacation together and all of those, all of those kinds of good things. So I think that's really a personal, I do think that becomes a personal preference. If you were to ask me, I'd say once a group served its purpose, I'm quite comfortable moving on just as I am with a coaching relationship. You know, I, I've worked with many different coaches over the years and, um, you know, I, I like variety and I like people who challenge my thinking and, um, I don't like getting too comfortable. So I think that would be for people who are in peer groups for a long time, you're probably getting something different out of that experience now than you were when you started and that's okay. And so, um, you know, it's probably serving almost more of a social need in addition to the business need, um, whereas I probably get my social needs other places, so. Right. Yeah.
1: I really appreciate that answer, because I kept thinking about, you know, uh, I, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you, so what happens if, it, if you get to a point where you're thinking, okay, this is nice, but this is social, like this mm-hmm. isn't helping my business, mm-hmm.
2: you yeah. know? yeah and I think I think for I think that's okay like we all have you know I think about mothers groups right like if you think because there's so many peer communities that we're often a part of that we don't even you know yeah. acknowledge in that way but when you think about you know for new moms all, usually most of us get into a mother's group right and yeah. and we're there and we're learning how to you know, is it weird if the baby cries at this time and, you know, you've never gone through it before. So it's so great to be with other people that are on the same journey that you're on. Um, And, and many mothers groups, you know, kind of live through the first year and then disperse, right? People, you know, go on, but some have second kids Some go back to work, you know, it disperses other groups, like I, I'm in a mother's group that, um, you know, we still get together uh, once or twice a year, but it, it's, it's not, it, and, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting, because it rears its head when we need support on issues, you know, preteen years, we're all now in the teenage years with our firstborns, <laughs> right? And so I find it funny, it still does come back to purpose, we don't tend to do things mm. just for social, it's usually where when somebody in the group is going, oh my gosh, how do you deal with X, Y, Z, you know? And we yeah. go, okay, let's rally the troops and talk about this. Um, so I think, you know, there are groups that, that go back and forth between, but I know from, from my own personal experience, if, if there isn't some kind of shared um, purpose, goal within the group, it, it'll probably disband naturally. I think, um, you know, with some of the groups I've been in and certainly with the groups that we run, um, we try and treat it more like a, a beginning to an end journey where we do have a very clear end of the experience. Piece. Yeah. I think that's a great way to do it with your group, because then the people who are like me who say, okay, I've had my experience, I want to get out. It doesn't feel awkward to leave the group. But if you say, okay, everybody, let's commit to doing this for six months, let's see how it goes. And then people who want to keep going keep going and then the people that want to opt out can opt out but you can kind of put a bow on that experience and so i think that's that's the other piece of this diane as we're talking that um, you're making me me really think of is it's super important to think about that up front you know so that people know what they're committing to know for how long and then for for those of us that are a little bit more like okay i'm i'm good i'm done i'm going now (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to awkwardly, you know, feel like we're rejecting by, um, you know, stepping out. Um, And at the same time, you can make space to bring in other people and, you know, groups evolve, you know, sometimes what was important, I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, as your business grows, you know, groups that were really helpful to you when you were starting up, you know, sometimes you need to level up and you want to get into groups with people who are at a different level of complexity and their businesses. And, um, yeah. so you're kind of ready to move up the ladder, so to speak.
1: I really love that idea of, of having, uh, like a, it's almost like a project mm-hmm. that there, there's a beginning, there's an end. You can always you know, extend it if mm-hmm. everybody wants to, but it does give everybody yourself included the opportunity to move on without any of that weirdness yeah yeah wow Hang on a second. um i really like that a lot that's really interesting okay so um talk to me a little bit more though about building community when we're connecting remotely because you said you know once this covid thing hit and, and you know that was another one of my mm-hmm. questions that you know is it more <laughs> difficult what you know how what are people doing
2: Yeah, I mean, you know what I find what I've been really observing and, and um, I'd be curious to see if you're seeing anything similar in the groups you're part of like, I find it so fascinating right now that even though we're hyper connected, like we've got all this technology that connects us. We don't have community and in fact so many of the people that I speak to right now they are so exhausted by technology you know it's you know this is, you know we've got new words right like are you a zoom bee? are you you know burnt out from zoom meetings all of these you know kind of things that are coming up for people and so I actually think um, th- that's what I love about peer groups is that when you build a peer group part of um, what's really important and i sort of talk about this in the book you know when you have your first session with your new group um, you don't actually talk a lot about goals and objectives and what you all want to get out of the process you get to know each other as people and one of the things that i felt for a very long time and um you know i'm i'm talking to you from canada toronto canada today Um, one of the things i've really felt about our workplaces and i think it's probably similar Um, down in the U.S. is that we've gotten very, very transactional in our relationships. You know, it's all about, you know, what have you, you know, I need this from you, your department needs to do this, you know, numbers, profit. You know, if you think about um, things that often get cut in our organizations, they're the things that bond us, the company picnic, the, you know, family holiday party, whatever it might be. And so we don't take the time To get to know each other, and um, I feel that that's so important. You know, um, relationships grow at the speed of vulnerability, right? So, you know, you're you're um, the 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 quicker you can um, get vulnerable, bring people together, um, open up that trust, um, the more impactful and powerful it's going to be. But to do that, you need to slow it down. We're so focused on being busy and being productive and doing all these things that, you know, when we slow down our groups, like the first session for all of our groups, all they do is they get to know each other. You know, they talk yeah. about who they are. They talk about their values. They talk about their families. They talk about the path that took them from here to here. And all of a sudden, you know, whenever we're at the end of a session, you think, boy, I've just spent, cause our sessions um, are often three hours with people. And I'll ask them, I'll say, how do you feel about the people in this room now? Like what's shifted for you since, you know, we, we started talking and all of them talk about how much more connected they feel, how, and these are people who've often worked together for five, 10, 15, sometimes 20 years and they haven't had these conversations with each other. So I think, I think we've, I, I think honestly, we are getting really bad at knowing how to build community. And I think these, you know, right now, I think we need community more than ever. You know, I think now is the time for us to be coming together, understanding perspectives and viewpoints and, and building real relationships because all of this tactical surface transactional communication isn't, um, it is not productive. And it's, it's certainly, you know, I'm, I'm as I told you, Mary to a person who's in the mental health space I mean it's also not good for our mental health you know at all yeah So I think I think you can totally do it virtually we run all of our programs you know we've been running them all virtually now we were running them virtually before globally and um, yeah you know it it works on zoom is it exactly the same as being in a room with people obviously not but you know what it's still powerful and you still have people connecting and you still have people being able to talk about um, real things I was with my peer on one of my peer entrepreneur groups last night and we had actually just jumped in and we just sort of, you know, doing our updates and talking about our accountabilities and all that stuff. And I said to the organizer, I feel like we need to slow it down. We need to do something to get to know each other because I don't know these people. It's huh. hard for me to give them support when I don't know who they are and what their story is. And so last, last night we did a, an exercise and, and I have it in my book. It's called the lifeline, where you get to talk about yourself through the highs and lows of your life. It's a really powerful exercise. It's a powerful, it's powerful to do for yourself just in terms of insights you get. But when you share that with other people and you, you know, I now know the five members of that group so much better because of, I see the richness that's brought them to where they are today, you know, as opposed to just the, the poster of successful entrepreneur that we all yeah. have. Right? So it's um, yeah, I, I, that's my sort of thoughts on community and, and uh, you know, yeah, because we've got, yeah. and we have community, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> well, I could not agree with you more. It's funny this morning, I was in a meeting and um, on Zoom and I was saying that before March, we were so in our systems and so in our processes that we were sort of automatically going through things and then all of a sudden, like a light switch, things change and we have an opportunity to be connecting in a different way and connecting, as you said, you know, more deeply in, in a way that has more value an impact than when, you know, we were sort of going, 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 going and had this whole viewpoint about this is the way we work.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Just yeah. crazy. Well, I, I love this whole concept. I, I so do. And I so appreciate you um, coming on and, and sharing all this information. And I, I think especially now, you know, it's interesting. I think this mm-hmm. is a great thing for people to, to really check out and start doing for themselves their own leadership growth um, and, and on some level their sanity. And so will you tell them like how they can find your book, how they can find you, you know, what you got going on?
2: Yeah, so um they can find the book on any of the major retailers, so amazon.com is called The Grassroots Leadership Revolution. Um can also go to our website which is goroundtable.com, so g o goroundtable.com. And uh there's a page for the book there and for my I also did another book couple of years ago called did I really sign up for this which is little stories about leadership <laughs> and you know I think a lot of us in leadership these days are feeling did I really sign up for this, this is craziness um so that's kind of a fun book too but uh yeah the and um there's lots of downloads available in the book so it really gives you the way the book is written is that it's a real play-by-play on how to set up your group how to create your group and then all of the agendas you need, all of the activities you can do with your group. And if you want to really, as a group, if one of your goals is to build your leadership capability, I've sort of taken my favorite activities from um, the programs that we run and put my three favorite ones in the group in addition to, or in the book, in addition to um, some of our goal setting approaches that we use to help leaders kind of set really purposeful goals. So um, all of that's there. It's a real DIY peer coaching, but also a leadership career management tool as well. So great for entrepreneurs, great for leaders, and, um, and one that's got lots of really practical, tactical, put it in place immediately kind of tips.
1: That's so awesome. Thank you.
2: And you're listeners,
1: welcome. thank you. Um, I would also like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Uh, you know, go get a, um, your free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash business growth and check out the programs that they have available. Uh, you're going to be amazed. It's not just audiobooks. It's a whole bunch of other really incredible content. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth,
2: goodbye and good day.
0: This message is sponsored by Amazon.
2: I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs.
0: COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel. But now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
2: Me, 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 me,
0: me, but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut.